Welcome to the Park Road Talkback Podcast for August 6th, 2020. Today's podcast is a conversation with Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor at Park Road Baptist Church with Russ Dean. I'm Bruce Holliday, Director of Communications at Park Road, and today we will be asking a few follow-up questions on the topic of Amy's most recent sermon, which was entitled, And Yet She Persisted, Queen Esther. A quick reminder, if you've not heard the sermon yet, you can find it at the Park Road website, parkroadbaptist.org, under our resources tab. Good afternoon, Amy. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Bruce? I'm doing very well. I enjoyed the sermon on Sunday. Um, I've really enjoyed this entire series of looking back at some of your favorites, and uh, every one that you've picked so far has really resonated. And even though they're older, they all seem to be Still very topical in this day and age. Yeah, we've been struck by how they still speak. And we'll talk about this later, I think, but how and how I've changed since I preached them. And if I were writing them completely fresh from the beginning, I might say some things a little differently. Yeah, that's true. It's, It's amazing how similar things are in many respects and then how completely different the world feels in, in a matter of three or four years. So could you give us a little bit of a context of tell us what you preached on Sunday? Yeah, when I originally preached this sermon, it was 2017. It was after uh, the presidential election of 2016, where a woman almost became president of the United States. And um, I had, before the election, I had decided to, that I wanted to address some women's issues maybe most especially around body image, but not just that, just women's issues. And, um, but the, the election was so, the lead up to the election was so contentious feeling and everybody had lots and lots of very passionate feelings. I said to Russ, I want to preach about this, but I want to wait till well after the election. So we had kind of tapped the month of March for me to look at some stuff using the story of Queen Esther. And, um, Well, we got to like February and Russ and I were like, I don't think we're ready to talk about this yet because people are still feeling very passionate about the whole Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump issue. And so we decided to put it off. I just was not willing to to tackle that. I thought it would be heard in too much of a partisan uh, way. But then for that summer series, we asked, what do y'all want to hear a sermon about? And one of our young adult women Uh, said she wanted to hear a sermon on Esther, not knowing that I had planned to do a whole series on Esther. So I thought, well, okay, you asked for it. So here it comes. I've been holding off. So I I ended up doing two sermons, uh, back-to-back sermons about Esther and women's issues. And so Sunday, this past Sunday, I kind of conjoined those sermons a little bit took a little bit of each one and, and turned it into one sermon to re-preach, which on the one hand felt a little bit out of touch. Uh, and then I realized the high probability from everything we're hearing that Joe Biden will pick a woman as a vice presidential uh, running mate. And uh, so it's going to be very much back in the news as soon as he names her, if we're all right about our guess about that. So it seemed timely to Talk about it again. And you, you, um, you bring up the whole idea of, of 
the political campaign kind of shaping the discussion and your topics for sermons, uh, I was struck you were very direct in this one. Um, you called out the current president of the United States for some things he said about women's appearance and women's bodies. And uh, I thought that was extremely bold uh, coming from the pulpit. And I was wondering if you wrestled with that decision or, or how you came to, to, to that point where you were willing to talk about that. Well, it always makes you um, take a deep breath before you say anything that may be interpreted as partisan. I did not see it as partisan. I like. I would like to think I would have said that about any person that said some of the things that Donald Trump has said and continues to say, not just about women, but people with disabilities. And he just, um, well, I, you just have to take a deep breath and say it. Um, but whether it be somebody in your family or some other higher up or the president of the United States, I decided I would almost never uh, call out a president from the pulpit. I really, we really do try to honor separation of church and state. But this seemed to be not about politics, not about government, not about policy, not about anything doing with anything except he has a very large microphone, as any president does. And what I said was the ways that he has talked about uh, and belittled people, especially uh, women, about their appearance. Um, he owes the people of the United States an apology for that. And I remember when I said it three years ago, it felt so good to say it. <laughs> and yeah. I was struck this week, this past Sunday again, when I said it, it felt good to say it. You owe an apology. That is just wrong to speak of women in that way. And um, my father loved to say, uh, well, somebody ought to tell him when somebody was out of line. And he loved to be the one to tell him. I don't love to be the one to tell them and would rather not call somebody out. Um, but I just, I, I thought he needed it. And, and I would say that for any person that says anything that horrific about women, uh, just based on their appearance, it should be called out. And if we are about to enter another uh, phase with a woman in uh as a vice presidential candidate, I would hope that he would refrain from that. And um, so we'll see. Exactly. And I, I kind of call myself out here. There was a line that you said that I'll be honest, kind of caught me off guard for a moment. And that was, you said, women are created in the image of God, which is clearly true. But it, I'm so used to hearing men or man is created in the image of God. It just, I, it surprised me how um, gender specific that mm. phrase had become for me in my life. And when you said women are created in the image of God and they're more than just their outward appearance, um, I thought that was a very telling moment for me personally. Um, I have for more than 30 years now, I just do not think of or refer to God in uh, gender-specific language. I just, mm -hmm. I don't. I, I have occasionally said 
called God she more as a counter to all the he's we hear. But if you only refer to God in male pronouns, then God is uh, envisioned as male. And I learned in seminary from my seminary professor, Molly Marshall, um, who was our theology professor. It was the first time, you know, I grew up in church my whole life and God was always he and God was always father. And um, it was like a light going off. And, and, and I think also because we have this representation of God in the person of Jesus Christ, um, that that's all male. Um, the spirit is a feminine uh, word, uh, Sophia, and wisdom is a feminine word. But generally, people only, if God has a gender, it's male. And I have not used male imagery for God in over 30 years. And I think when you let that go, then God becomes so much more than just a male-specific being, but one that is inclusive of all people across the spectrum of every gender (laughs) identification. Um, And that has really mattered to me. And I, I just... And so when I go places and I hear God referred to as he, it's so loud in my ears now because really it's been 30 years since I've used that kind of language. It is certainly what I grew up with um, as with everybody else, but so grateful to my seminary experience for showing me a different way to think and image God. For me, God is God. But Right. And, and you mentioned during your sermon that initially, as you started out your career as a pastor, that you intentionally dressed to look more like a male pastor in your robe than, uh, than a female pastor. And I was wondering what's your evolution been like with regard to, to how you dress when you're in the pulpit uh, and in, in worship? Well, especially, like I said, 25, 30 years ago, there just weren't as many women doing this. And I was trying to get, I was trying to be seen as a, real life minister, a real life minister. And I was trying to be, uh, gain respect. And the only people I'd ever seen do this job were men. And so, uh, we've been in a robing church. And so, uh, with our clerical robes and I never forget when I got my robe at our ordination, um, at First Baptist Clemson, I put it on for the first time and I felt like it didn't look right. And I realized it's because there wasn't a white collar right. sticking out the top because men always have on a, a shirt and tie under it. And so I've got a white collared shirt and put it on. And I was doing this when I came to Park Road. I would, whatever I had on that morning, I had a white blouse with a collar that I put on under it. And so one morning, Betty Blankenship, saw me putting that shirt on. And she said, I can't believe you wear that shirt under your robe. And I said, yes, it's so hot to add another layer under it for the robe. Well, she made me, she took a white shirt and cut out the neck and just like the top that goes over my shoulders. So I didn't have to put the sleeves on over whatever I was wearing. And I could just wear it as like a clerical collar under my robe. And so I wore that for many years at Park Road, just this white collar under my robe because I thought it didn't look right without it. 
And somewhere along the way, I just went, why am I doing this? I mean, what is, I don't have to look like a man. I am a woman. And I had seen a woman preach many years ago and she didn't have on a robe. She had on a flowing, colorful dress with a big scarf and her hair was long and she had big earrings. And I was so mesmerized at her preaching and just being totally who she is. And I decided I was going to take that on. Now, I I will hasten to say I'm not going to be one for giving up the robe because it, the robe takes away distractions for people and people are going to comment about what I wear. And that is just the truth. And I know that you can say it's not true, but it is true because for my whole career, people are going to comment about what I have on. Uh, One Sunday years ago, I had preached and a woman came out and a woman came out older woman and said, please don't wear those earrings again. They were so distracting. And I just thought, I have covered myself from neck to ankle. (laughs) And all you have to say about worship this morning is my earrings. So um, I have let go of the collar (laughs) and I have tried to, I've tried my best to be exactly who I am and, and let that be enough. But that that has that takes some learning. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't come naturally. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to, to conform. You, yeah. yeah, listening to you talk, it, it just it, it reminds me again that what a you know a pioneer that you and many other women have been in the past few decades. Things have changed dramatically mm. in the church in the past thirty or forty years, and you've been right there in the forefront of that. Um, if you had to do it again, would you choose to be the pioneer who kind of had to find her way? Or would you rather, you know, start over with kind of where we are now with just more of an equal footing? Or did, or do you feel like you were the right person for the, for the time? Oh gosh. There would have been so many less tears to start now, (laughs) but I, I don't, I do not consider myself a pioneer. I I look at the women ahead of me and think they did the hard work. And I feel like I was on the very beginning edge of a new day. And so I feel like I was able to not have the worst of it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But yeah, it'd be nice to start now and not have to do, not have to go through the learning curve that I went through um, so, but I'm just so grateful for the women ahead of me who truly were the pioneers. I don't, I would not consider myself in that category. Yeah. A lot of your sermon dealt with, um, society's very superficial perception of women, um, in advertising and self-perception. Um, can you tell, talk a little bit about what you think it's going to take to move us beyond looking at women and I guess in a comparative way, we, we compare women more so than the men, I would say, to models and, and the women in advertisement and the women on TV or in movies. Um, what's it going to take for us as a society to stop doing that? Talking about it, <laughs> calling it out, naming it, preaching about it. Um, a woman 
and emailed me this morning. So this, we're recording this on Thursday. And a woman emailed me this morning, a very long email, uh, a woman older than I am who's been in the church her whole life, not in Park Road Church, but in church life her whole life. And she said, I'm still uh, thinking about the sermon for Sunday from last Sunday because I've never heard anything like that said from a pulpit ever in my whole life. And how appreciative she was that I said it. And so I think sometimes places like Park Road can think, oh, we've had women deacons since we started 70 years ago, or we've been ordaining women forever, and we've had a woman as pastor for 20 years, and the women's issue is not an issue for us. And still, we have to keep talking about it and naming it and calling it out. I think that's the only way to address it and and to talk to our young women and young men and boys and girls and all children and teenagers about these kinds of things. I think it's really important. I think that's the only way to change it. Right. And you were very specific that it's not a message just for women. It's right. a message for the, the sons and the husbands, the men and the boys who need to understand this just as much as the women do. Exactly. I thought it was interesting. You talked at one point about women or, or girls specifically, maybe it's girls and women, who when they see photos of themselves or take photos of themselves are, are so highly critical of the photo and how many photos they will take to get just the perfect one. That was actually the moment in the sermon where I got emotional. Um, and that really caught me off guard, and I don't usually do that. <laughs> um, it's very uncommon for me to get emotional preaching. But um, that was the moment I did get emotional. And the, the, I think, the, well, first of all, it was a disaster getting the live feed going Sunday morning. So everybody was frazzled uh, by the time worship started. So I think some of my emotion was just like, oh my gosh, this sermon's about over and I was so to wreck and this is so hard. And so I think some of the emotion was that. But in that sentence is where I got emotional. And right. it was because I said, women, let's stop doing that. And when I, I mean, I obviously I had redone the sermon and reworked the sermon and re-preached the sermon before I preached it again Sunday all week long. But when I said it kind of out loud in front of everybody, um, I realized I hadn't stopped doing it. And it just, it like caught me as a lump in my throat. I can almost get emotional talking about it even right now. And um, I realized I still do it. And, And even in the midst of kind of making a decision even this week, I have not been taking care of myself in healthy ways around food during the isolation and quarantine. And, and I haven't been taking care of myself in ways toward health um, with exercise during the quarantine. And just so I had actually decided that this week I finished my birthday week and I was going to take on a new start. And it, there's no way around saying it. The hope is to lose some weight. And so even as I'm preaching it, I am feeling within myself a, a body image issue. Right. And so I'm on the one hand preaching this thing 
and feeling all the stuff inside of me that has to do with body image. And I want to couch it in terms of health and wellness. And, and that is true. Um, but to just be honest, some of it is body image. And to be really vulnerable with you right now in a way I had not planned to be. So our older son's getting married in December. And I've just been teasing about shed for the wed um, and thinking about buying a mother of the groom dress and wishing that my arms were smaller so I could get a sleeveless dress. And all of those things I am thinking while preaching about not doing that. Right. So it it became it, it became so emotional for me to think my responsibility in being different, in calling it out, in naming it, in pulling people towards me to stop doing this to ourselves. And all the while I'm doing it. Which just yes. I think just speaks to what a tremendously difficult problem this is. I mean, it's, it's even when you are completely aware or any of us are aware of what's happening, it's hard for us to stop. It's hard for us to make that change. And it just makes you wonder what has to be different in the world so that we stop doing that. Well, and, and to try to imagine, I'm aware of this mm-hmm. and what a problem it is. What about for the people that aren't really aware and have not made the connections of the cultural, uh, societal pressure around women and bodies. If, right. if you aren't even aware that this is going on in yourself, mm-hmm. I mean, how much more difficult that is. And you wonder why there are so many more women and girls who have eating disorders and other forms of self-harm that are directly related to body image issues. Right. And, and the and, church should be talking about it. The emotion for me came in recognizing, and this happens frequently, how often I do not practice what I preach. <laughs> and to make this all more complicated, you and I have talked since the sermon uh, that the sermon was couched in very binary terms. We were mm. talking female and male. But in the past three years, there's been a tremendous surge in awareness and discussion about transgender issues. And uh, adding that layer on top of what you were talking about in the sermon, it just makes, I'm wondering if you think it becomes even more imposing or more important or or more difficult to, to deal with. What are you thinking in retrospect about that? For anybody that's done a good bit of public speaking, um, you will know how many things can go through your brain mm-hmm. in the midst of speaking. Right. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, I had gone over this sermon, reread it, reworked it, put these two sermons together, practiced it standing right there in the pulpit before I preached it. There's something about saying it out loud in front of other people um, and knowing you know, even though there aren't people in the room knowing people are listening. It's just amazing all the things you can think that you didn't think when you were preparing it. And one of the things toward the end of the sermon that kept going through my mind was, wow, 
I did not address at all three years ago because I wasn't as aware and in tuned and intentional around gender issues and gender fluidity and gender um, trans conversation and gender identification and all of this in the last three years have just been heightened for me. And I, I found the sermon very lacking in the moment that I was preaching it, that it was so male, female. And of course, that's my story. I identify as she, her, and hers. And Russ identifies as he, him, and his. And I live in a predominantly traditional, binary, gender world. Um, I've just become so aware that that is not that is not inclusive. And so I thought that the sermon was pretty lacking in that. And it didn't sound as loud to me until I was in the moment preaching it. So when I sat down from preaching, I made notes on my paper as Mark was playing uh, some music so that when I got up to say the benediction, the title of the sermon was, and yet she persisted, which was referenced in the sermon about Mitch McConnell and Elizabeth Warren and how that had taken off. And, and I used that with Queen Esther, yet she persisted. But I was trying in the end, right before we spoke the good word of benediction, to be more inclusive. And I said, and yet she persisted. And yet he persisted. And yet they persisted. Right. And I didn't, I meant they singular. I, I didn't mean they as in all of us. I meant all the people for whom their pronouns are not gender specific. Right. I meant I was trying to include them. And it, were I to write the sermon completely over from scratch, I would have to take time in the sermon to deal with that. Um, but it that's well, almost another whole sermon. I was going to say, there's a, <laughs> another topic for you for, yeah. for another day. And, and, and just, I think it illustrates how we continue to grow and evolve in our understanding of each other and our faith. And that, you know, just recognizing that at this point is, is the start and it's the, it's the right thing to do. Well, and I hope people are hearing, you know, I think sometimes people put preachers on this pedestal of, okay, they have the answers. No, I have, I have my thoughts for today. And if I read some more and listen some more and pay attention some more, on another day, I'm going to have new thoughts. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm constantly growing and evolving and changing. And I, that's what I want for our congregation or anybody that listens in. That's what I want for them. And so I want them to see that in me, that what I believe 10 years ago has morphed into something different today. It has the same... I I like to say that about the only two constants I have is a firm held belief in the love of God and the way of Jesus and a commitment to the way of Jesus. Right. And then I'm open to where that takes me. Which would be good advice for all of us. Yeah. Well, I just, uh, I want to commend you on working through the technical problems this past (laughs) Sunday. I know that was not, not your favorite thing. We've, We've had many discussions about uh, Amy <laughs> Dean and technology. <laughs> and I said them. it. I said in staff meeting this week. I just don't understand how we can send two people to the space station. They plop back in the ocean. A boat is there to pick them up, and I can't get my camera and microphone to work all the time. 
it just doesn't make sense. But and yet and we yet, learn. And yet she persisted. She persisted. Yes, she did. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up with that. Thank you so much. I I love these conversations, and I think there's so much more to be learned as we dive into the to the background and the context of the sermons that you and Russ give. So thank you so much. I think this has been my favorite conversation. Good. Good. <laughs> Me too. Well, thank you. As always, good to spend time with you in conversation. And of course, thank you to our listeners. We invite you to share this podcast with your friends and family. They can always find it on the Park Road website, or you can listen and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. That's it for this week. From all of us at Park Road Baptist Church, thank you for listening. Grace and peace to you.